Hello and welcome to the Groove Sofa podcast. I'm Alice. And I'm Lucy. And together we want to invite guests to come and share their grief with us. Our aim is to cover a whole range of grief from a whole range of people. We're sorry for your loss, but we are glad that you have found us. Thank you for listening to the Groove Sofa podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about grief in the workplace. This is something that I'm really passionate about um, and something that I've been doing quite a bit of work in over the last sort of 18 months since my dad died. Um, I work for a big charity and I was really surprised to find out that our bereavement policy wasn't really kind of specialised or, or any different to kind of what what the standard policy is which is kind of like two or three days off after somebody's been bereaved um, and it made me just kind of think about how other workplaces uh, actually tackled this kind of thing and then the more and more I spoke to people especially in the let's talk about loss groups I realised that like a lot of us in the grief community really struggle with returning to work. Yeah definitely I think it's like a, it's a huge problem and it's a it's a huge thing that just like isn't really spoken about and there's not much advice there or guidance of like how how or when it can be done what were the main sort of like findings that you discovered when you started looking into it also I love how you're just like and then I started thinking about it more and more and then I came up with this idea <laughs> story of your life <laughs> sorry <laughs> No, so, I mean, the thing is, like, it it shocked me that we, uh, in the UK at least, we don't have a law in place to actually protect people who are bereaved. So, like, we don't have, um, like, workplaces don't have to give you time off. Like, it's, it's actually wow. not something that's, like, legally required. So they could just mm. say to you, like, you have to come back in. And there could be, like, disciplinary measures if you don't come back in. And it's like most places don't have a set policy for it. So it's really difficult as an employee to actually even know what you're entitled to. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think that's absolutely crazy that you could, you know, have a bereavement of any any type. And then your employer basically tells you off for like not coming into work. And I think probably like what a massive thing comes down to is not only the company itself like the company policy and guidelines but I guess with your line manager and stuff like that whether they've been bereaved themselves because I think maybe if you've got someone who hasn't been bereaved and doesn't understand the impact of bereavement then they're probably more likely to be less compassionate whereas if you've got somebody who's like been bereaved themselves they probably be a bit more lenient but obviously there's only so far that they can go within the company's policy yeah absolutely and I think that's it is that we don't so often we don't teach compassionate leadership you know we don't realistically when you become a line manager of anyone in any career you should have some basic training around compassionate leadership and how to manage situations like bereavements or like you know miscarriage or baby loss you know these are all you know things that everyday people experience and the likelihood is at some point whilst you're managing people you're going to have to support them through that process so it makes so much more sense and like really empower managers to be able to actually support them to be compassionate leaders. I guess it's just that classic thing though of grief isn't it that unless you've been through it yourself you don't recognize or understand like the impact and it's also one of those things maybe 
where as a society we bury our heads in the sand a little bit about this sort of stuff um and it's sort of hard for me to relate to that because obviously I was bereaved when I was 17 so I feel like my whole adult life I've only really known what it's like to be grieving but for the sort of more like maybe like my peers or friends or or other like work colleagues they just haven't had to face it so why would you sort of like sit and really think in depth about how that would impact you not only on a day-to-day life but at work yeah absolutely I mean like most things in the grief community like we're professionals through experience and not through uh you know a degree or through um yeah any kind of courses that have got us here like we've learned how to navigate through our grief whether that's you know on our own or whether that's with others in the grief community I literally love that I just I did I was just got all excited but I didn't I meet myself properly but I was like yeah I'm a professional in grief (laughs) I I mean yeah you're like way more professional than I am like it's 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 a horrible reality but like we rely on the people in the grief community to essentially tell us or tell the rest of the world who haven't been bereaved like how it works you know how to support us and that you know things aren't in place so that you know we aren't so that people are advocating for us instead of being the other way around so it's something that you know I think there's a long way to go but in the UK it's something that I think we could change in the next few years if we have the right kind of campaigning for it Lucy Dennis take the lead (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, like your your face is going to be on billboards one day, I swear. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what sort of stuff you've done within the charity that you work for, and also if you could tell the listeners like a little bit more about, yeah, like more in depth about why you got started with what you're doing and what it is that you're doing and why it's so important. Yeah, sure. So when my dad died, I was. Um, actually lucky enough to be on furlough at the time but when my dad was dying I was looking after him you know I was caring for him and I was having to you know sit by his bed every day and, and take really kind of physical care of him for like seven or eight days before he died and then when I came back to work um, thankfully I, I had about six weeks off after he died because I was still on furlough And I went back to work and I had a look at what our bereavement policy was in case I needed to take any more time off. And I couldn't believe that it was five days. And I thought, oh, my God, five days, five days. Sorry to interrupt. Was that um, for was it segregated into different types of bereavement or was that just like bereavement across the board? Like, was it because I know some places have sort of you know if it's your close family member or if it's your cousin or yeah so like yeah so at the company that I work for um it was up to five days if it was a sibling spouse parent yeah um but then anything like anything after that was um two days for kind of removed like cousins or aunties or uncles or grandparents even and then for anybody who's like a further distant relative or a friend um then you had to take time I think it was one day was your allowance and that was usually one day um, yeah that was that was actually like kind of um 
uh, the funeral they, yeah they encourage you to take it for the funeral yeah so Christ. you don't actually get to process anything so I suppose I started thinking like shit like if I had to take um compassionate leave when my dad died like when would I have taken it like would I have taken it in the five days before he died with like the week off would I would I have had a week off to look after him in his dying days he died on a Sunday would I then have had to go back on the Monday morning yeah you know like how far does this policy go and like how much support is there to make sure that that treatment isn't happening for other people across the charity I think the other thing as well is like how can they segregate or um you know create their own grief hierarchy by saying that okay so mum and dad sibling that's like the most important but then cousin and grandparent isn't important at all when actually like different families have got different dynamics and they shouldn't be having a say on who's more important I mean I mean the timescales are crap anyway but you know who are they to sort of decide how your grief should be affecting you Um, yeah that really rattles my cage yeah absolutely it's something that we talk about quite a lot in the grief community is that grief hierarchy and the fact that when you have to try and justify your relationship with somebody and how it might be how that how them dying might affect your work like that shouldn't be a conversation that has to happen for any employee regardless of where you work you shouldn't have to say well it was my cousin who died but my cousin's a bit like my sister because she lived with us growing up and so like I feel like I should be able to take five days rather than the one day that I'm allowed to take like justifying like you do not have the capacity when somebody dies to justify things and this is why so often we have people not getting the time off that they should be given in their employment and so they take time off through doctor's notes and they have extended periods of time off work and actually because there isn't that supportive network to return to work because they haven't even given them bereavement leave in the first place they then push back and push back and push back on going back to work which is much more expensive for the company it's much more expensive for the government like for all of those processes to be pushed back instead of just creating a compassionate workplace in the first place for people to be able to take the time off when they need it and then to return in an appropriate way and feel supported in returning absolutely and can I just say I can feel your passion here coming through like it's it's so great that you feel so strongly about all of this stuff and yeah you know if there was compassionate workplaces in the first place then great like it would be so much better and I think as you said the longer people take off and especially if there's like a lack, lack of strategy of returning the harder it is to return because the scarier that is and the lack of support and guidelines is just way too much to navigate when you're already navigating a bereavement yeah absolutely so so what I did then was after kind of doing a little bit of research on what our policy was within the charity and then speaking to a few other people that I knew had been bereaved and asking them what their experiences was I realized that actually the experiences really varied across the board so like if you had a certain manager who hadn't been through a bereavement and maybe just didn't really lead a very compassionate team then people were being given very very little support and not feeling supported and like quite often changing jobs within the charity or leaving the charity altogether because of that 
And then I mean, we had quite rightly so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then you had people who were given three months off after the person died because their manager was incredibly good, compassionate and knew exactly how that felt and it was fine and they approved it and they went the extra mile to make sure that they could have that time off. So the disparity yeah. really bothered me, you know, the fact that mm. it was all dependent on that relationship that you have with your manager. Yeah. And so the grief network was born <laughs> in March Ta-da! 2021. <laughs> So uh, I set up a grief and bereavement network at the charity that I work at. And the idea was, was to run monthly peer support sessions in working hours. Um, It was just an hour long session, which we would run around lunchtime so that people could have come and attend the session and then hopefully be able to take an hour of reflective time over their lunch break. And within that session, we would um, bring a topic to the table and then we would invite people to share if they wish to their experiences. So we've invited different guest speakers along and we've had different types of topics that we've gone through. And we've really tried to open the conversation about grief at work, like trying to normalize what, you know, we, we go to work 40 hours a week, like mm. grief doesn't switch off in those hours. Yeah. so just being able to have a place at work that you know there's a whole network of people who can connect with you but also you know on demand if you're feeling a bit crap we have you know support pages and we have support chats so that you can just write in the chat and say feeling a bit crap today has anybody else you know feeling this way or has anybody else got any advice on something or a podcast I can listen to a song that I can listen to you know just having that immediate internal support has been really really powerful how have how has that been received like how have the meetings been going um how you know I mean obviously you've sort of you know you can't say too much about too many people but you know how have they been received on the whole like what do you think the impact has been setting this up for the charity so um I would say I mean it's been really successful so we employ over 3,000 people at the charity we have uh one of the things I'm really really proud of is that we launched a huge resource page and in that resource page we've got everything under the sun from podcasts to books to Mm. Instagram pages to like you know specialist charities there's all these different links and so like every single type of bereavement is on this page you know you can have you can go onto that page and you may have lost your mum and there's a very very specific book that you might want to read relating to losing your mum there's other things around losing a pet, around losing a partner, around losing a friend, you know, there's loads of different things. And that resource page has been viewed over 600 times, which just shows the demand for it. Yeah. Um, on a monthly basis, we have these sessions and sometimes we've got 10 people in the sessions and sometimes we have 30 people in the sessions. It really depends. And within those sessions, we've had such wonderful feedback about people just feeling like their grief is validated a lot of the time it's around listening to other people who have that shared experience and a lot of the people who are coming to these sessions have never have never gone to a grief support group outside of work so this is their first access to any kind of grief support some people come along and they've been bereaved 10 15 years ago some Mm -hmm. people have been bereaved two months ago like it's been such a really varied very very varied but also incredibly empowering because of that variation yeah definitely 
no, I think it's amazing, like, what you've done and, like, what you've created. And it would be great if more workplaces could sort of, like, implement this kind of sense of, like, community, I guess, because that's what it is that you've created. You've created this little community where people feel um, safe and where people feel like it's okay to talk about you know maybe how their grief is like impacting them at work or just like how their grief's impacting them from day to day because I think probably like one of the big issues with say like bereavement and grieving is that when you're when you feel like you're on your own with it it's really tough whereas when you get a community set up and you talk about it together you do feel like a little bit less alone you feel more understood like maybe someone else would be like oh do you know what I used to be really good at doing this at work and like since like my dad's died I'm just you know I'm not very good at doing it or I don't have the same energy or I don't have the same passion or motivation and I think like hearing other people say stuff like that just feels feels really good to know that you're not like feeling alone yeah and you know what that that point is exactly one of the biggest conversations that we have at work um in these networks is that like people coming along and going I used to be able to be really proactive I used to work 40 hours a week not a problem I used to be able to be on top of all of my deadlines I could report really easily like I felt like I was so organized and then suddenly I feel like I've got this brain fog and it means that I don't have that same capacity and I don't have that same ability and you feel Mm. stunted like you're Mm. stunted in that growth and you can really really resent yourself during those periods and like the number one piece of advice when people are talking to me about that and talking to me about feeling like they don't have that same amount of capacity and that they can't perform the same way is having that transparency with your manager like trying wherever you can to identify the things that trigger you and the things or the time of the year that maybe you won't feel as productive or you might need extra support or maybe you know you can avoid deadlines around this month or this date so that they can support you to actually manage that workload like you can't return to 100% capacity Mm -hmm. I mean even if you do for a short period of time grief has a habit of catching up on us at some point and that might yeah. be in six months time or it might be in five years time but at some mm. point you're going to hit that wall where that grief is going to confront Explain. you yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're going to have to cope with it and you know yeah. work is such a huge part of our lives we are you know completely um kind of brainwashed to think that we have to work all these hours all of the time for all of our life you know we all have this thing where we find the career and we're meant to do that thing and progress and get a promotion and find a new job and everything changes everything changes when you live with grief it is so hard to find the thing that you're passionate about when the person you love you know the thing that you love the most doesn't exist anymore oh it's so true it's so sad but it's so true like yeah it's just so relatable and I think like another thing that me and um Harry my twin brother talk about quite a lot is like it's almost like you get this sense of like oh well nothing thing really feels like real anymore or what's the 
point anymore you know because it's past and or people that meant the most to you aren't there anymore and like it can really like warp your whole perception on reality and like ambitions mm. just like life in general I think yeah. as well um going back to what you were saying a second ago like the one word that was really coming to my mind and it's something that has been coming up a lot for me in therapy recently um use the word capacity and like the word that I kept on thinking of was um capability losing that sense of feeling capable of as you say meeting deadlines or working 40 hours every week or you know just life before bereavement it felt like little things could just sort of hit you and run off the surface whereas now like I feel like they get you down a lot more because you're already dealing with this massive thing so therefore little things feel like big things (laughs) yeah so poetic of me (laughs) (laughs) it's so true though you're completely right and like what you were saying about the kind of lack of inspiration you know the, the that lack of like I haven't got and the person that I wanted to prove myself to the person that I wanted to make proud yes. isn't here yeah yeah so how do I get that mojo back how do I get that motivation back and the reality is it's finding the thing that you love again but that can take yeah. a really long time yeah. and it also takes a lot of compassion wherever you work <laughs> can I be paid <laughs> to eat pasta yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Finding that thing you love again. <laughs> Pasta <laughs> cheese. Been there for me some really hard times. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going connoisseur. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, Luce, like what you're doing is amazing. You should be really proud of yourself. Thank you. I am. I am really proud of myself, actually. And uh, one of the things that I've been really, really bad at, pretty much my whole life, is being proud of things that I achieve and it, I think it's just like a knock-on effect of not of being yeah. when I was a kid <laughs> and like not feeling like I was ever going to get to do very much yeah. and this is something that like I am so passionate about I really 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 believe that, that you know we should all be in a situation where we feel supported to grow to the person that we want to be and a prime example of this is actually the CEO of the charity that I work for she is um she is well I think I think actually she's the like uh first female CEO of a charity the size that we have and she was bereaved in her 20s or early 30s and she lost both of her parents before she became well before she was 35 and I couldn't help but think about how she achieved being like a director and a head and then went on to be CEO of one of the biggest charities in the UK and the fact that she had to get there through compassionate leadership she had to have support along the way because there's no way that she will have been able to process two massive losses like that without having that compassion in place and it's it just it shows what people can do and it shows how much people can achieve when they have the right support in place but so many of us aren't afforded that and whether that's because you work in an industry where you know you don't 
talk about it or maybe you don't work in maybe you work shifts let's say or like I know a lot of NHS workers have zero support in terms of compassion and it's something that I've spoken to a couple of nurses about recently is that trauma that they've experienced over the last 18 months and the compassion that they've had or the lack of compassion that they've had from their employer during that time and the difficulty in returning to work following this pandemic, following any other bereavements or any other challenges that they've had outside of their lives. And it's so sad that we're setting people up to fail in that kind of way. You know, the fact that if I hadn't, if I'd been given five days and I'd taken off, the five days so that I could nurse dad at the end of his life and then I was forced to go back like where would I be now I would probably be a very bitter person because I wouldn't be able to process any of it or maybe I'd be off work completely because I would have been probably having a breakdown yes yeah. it's, it's just interesting like to see how stunted we can make people's lives if we don't like support them in doing the things that they want to achieve. I don't think that people should feel like they can't aspire to be the director or the head that they want to be just because they haven't got somewhere that supports them, like a workplace that really supports their mental health and supports their, their bereavement. Yeah, no, definitely. That's so true. Um, and I think, yeah, well, like what you're saying is that like a little bit of kindness and care goes a really long way um in like making people feel better and more capable themselves um so when did you actually return if you're happy to um talk about this now and um, when did you actually return back to work so you said you were furloughed at the time that your dad died when did you return back to work and how was that for you like what sort of yeah like how was that for you so I was, yeah, so I was furloughed um, when he died and I returned to work. I said six weeks earlier on, but I think it might have been eight. So about eight weeks after. So two months essentially after he died. Yeah. Um, and originally when we returned, I was coming back on a phased return from furlough rather than a phased return from a bereavement. Yeah. And so I was working four days a week rather than five um and just that's, trying to find that's my that's still quite a lot though like four <laughs> days a week is still quite yeah. a lot and like it this is, is what lot. I think that people don't understand is four days a week when you've just been bereaved is a lot yeah and I think like my mind when well I've had two months off like I had I've had time to process it now I need to come back to work and I need to get on with it and I think that is so common that feeling of like well, I've had some time off now. I can't possibly take more time off. And it's, it's and do you think interesting. that was an internal judgment or like pressure? Or do you think that was external? So do you think that came from yourself, society or work or maybe a bit of all three? I think probably a bit of all three. I mean, I yeah. would say that like, because I'd been furloughed, I felt the pressure to go back to work because I had colleagues that hadn't been furloughed. And hadn't had that time off and like during my furlough dad died but I also went on holiday and I like did nice things and how dare you go on holiday <laughs> going on holiday after someone dies honestly there's so Best much to do but like there's so much criticism about people doing like, that oh God. <laughs> do you like because I don't 
I honestly I believe that people just think like you're meant to be in permanent mourning after after somebody dies and that you couldn't yeah. possibly go and sit in the sunshine somewhere and mourn somebody like yeah. I'm yes I'm in Greece but I'm really sad still like my dad's <laughs> still died yes it's 30 degrees honestly so people funny. just I... think they switch off like they're just like oh she's gone on That's... holiday she must be fine yeah. you know, now you've said it actually I actually had a holiday booked before dad died and then he died and it was about six weeks after he died that the holiday was like due so I was going before anyway and it like worked out really nicely and yeah I remember someone actually commenting on like a photo or a status or something I put up and they basically said oh it's so great to see that you're doing so well and I was like I literally like I can't even get off my sun lounger <laughs> you know like I was not okay yeah okay I might be tanned and like in a different country but I wasn't <laughs> all right <laughs> I know I'm tanned but I'm still grieving <laughs> so ridiculous I mean this person um I I think I don't know I think I might have actually blocked them now because there's been a few <laughs> things that they've said stupid things anyway okay, sorry, I'm completely like sidetracked from from you and you're returning to work um no 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 you're fine so yeah so I went back I did a face return which wasn't really a face return I went back four days a week and then after four weeks I was back to full-time and I have been back at work ever since I've taken no (laughs) really I should think I knew that I mean I guess that makes sense because you haven't had any time off since I've known you yeah so I I was so actually a month ago yesterday I returned to work full-time uh sorry a year ago yesterday I returned to work full-time and I have been working full-time ever since I have taken the odd day off um which I have taken because I have really compassionate managed managers now like when I'm when my mental health isn't great then they have like told me to take the day off so that I could have a day off to recuperate you've been instructed to have the day off (laughs) I have yeah I've got people really looking out for me at work which is really great but I well that's technically yeah so like technically I don't think on my record it would say that I've had any compassionate time off because I never claimed any of it as compassionate leave I was just furloughed until I went back to full time so it's um which some people and the thing is this is why like you know I say like oh I had two months off and then I went back for some people they are off for a week because they aren't allowed any more than that you know I I really count Mm. myself as being lucky and having that time uh because it was a lot longer than a lot of people are afforded yeah (sighs) How much time off did you have when your mum died? Because when your mum died, you were 17, right? So were you working yeah. then? Uh, yeah, so I had a part-time job in Sainsbury's, actually. Um, I'm just trying to think. I, I can't really... So it, I pretty much went back to work, like, straight away. Um, I can't actually remember what the day was that she died, but I'm pretty sure I was in work about three days later. Um, and... I wasn't actually really planning on talking about like this like bit of work because it feels like so long ago but like oh and I also the other thing is I can't really remember it that well all I remember was that I went back pretty quickly after 
so like a three a few days like I just said um and I think I was just like I was going to work but I was like quite often like going home early and stuff like that yeah I was finding it all this quite difficult because my mum had just dropped dead um <laughs> but the the one thing that I can really remember from from that time was there was a woman working there um who strangely lost both of her parents before she was 24 as well so she was probably around my mum's age and she just really 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 looked after me um she gave I don't know she was just really there for me and like really supportive and she wasn't a manager or anything like that she was just like a really nice woman that That's really so looked nice. out for me and um she'd sort of always like make sure that I was going outside and like taking 10 minutes or you know when when I was going home early and like not coming in and stuff like that like she was just really supportive and I'm, I don't see her that much now um when I do see her she always gives me like a really big hug so I think what I would take from that is that having even one person at work that looks after you is like yeah, a lot. That's it's really great. Just having someone fighting your corner and like looking out for you. Cause I think, I mean, you were so young as well. Like mm. you like must've felt like you'd been hit by a train, but honestly, just having somebody looking out for you, especially if they've been through it, who can just help you navigate like what that, time looks like I mean yeah, yeah it's funny that you weren't going to talk about that but actually I think that's a really like poignant memory and it, it must be quite yeah, a poignant definitely. memory she, she she really stands out for me and um she bought me this little book um I think it was called like a little book of happiness or something like that and she like wrote a really nice message in it um and it was just photos of nice funny things and I think as well, because I was so young, I almost needed that person to sort of dictate for me a little bit and like show mm. me the ropes and like tell me what to do because like, I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. And I actually really needed her to, like, she used to pick me up and like drop me home. And oh, yeah, thinking about it now, that was actually really important and really special. So, oh, wow, yeah. she sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, but no, it's like a like, grief ally or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think so, so for me, like the big one, like returning to work and like the thing that I sort of felt I was going to speak about on this episode was um, returning to work after dad died. And like I was thinking about it a lot today because I knew we were going to be doing this episode. And when dad died, it sounds really weird, but when he died, I almost had this feeling of like, oh shit, like I know my job's not going to last or like, I don't know how this is going to work in the future yeah. and I'm not really sure why that was um but so like yeah so dad died and I think he died on a weekend I can't remember but I obviously didn't go back to work that week at all um and then I so my my employers like I'd been working there for like about five six years and they my like boss like my main boss he was almost like a dad to me because he had children like my age he was the same age as my dad and I'd worked there from when I was like 18 and he was like a really like nice like family man kind of thing and in the early stages of me losing dad I'd say that my employer were incredibly supportive and 
very 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 lenient like I was really really lucky um so I think like throughout the month of August I sort of dipped my toe into work here and there I was like taking stuff home doing bits and bobs where I could and like the whole time I was like being played um full and then pretty much like the same throughout September um October November I was back to work full time but I was working in an office by myself upstairs because I'd literally just found like working downstairs and like being on the phone Mm. way too much and then I think like it's probably around Christmas yeah sort of December time I remember sitting and having a chat with my boss which I found really difficult because like there was like no HR where I worked or anything like that and I basically just like broke down to him and was like I'm not okay like I'm not coping with like working full-time I had like quite like a pressured job then as well where it was sort of like me doing my job and I didn't have like a team and I just found that way too much to deal with and I suggested Mm, it's a lot of responsibility yeah like a huge responsibility huge responsibility and like I just didn't feel like I was like thought like you say I felt like I wasn't performing well like I felt like I was like tired and and all this kind of stuff but I suggested to him going part-time I think I was like can I drop a day and he basically said he was like look January and February is like a really quiet period um just take it off basically and I took January and February pretty much like full time off um so that was you know so yeah August September October November December nearly like six months after dad died I then took another two months off work because I didn't Mm. feel like I was able to work and then I did a stage return throughout March and then 30th of March obviously I was furloughed because we went into lockdown so it was really weird I'd like have this like two months off and then did a stage return and then as I was due to go back full time I was furloughed so I think that was like quite like a strange unique position but Mm. I think that was great (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah being furloughed was great I think the point that you make around um going back and then having more time off this is something that like comes up all of the time and something that people really struggle with because because there's not a policy for it there's not like any guidance around like when you should have the time off and we know that grief isn't linear and we know that that it comes in waves and that sometimes it will hit you and it will floor you and it might floor you for a couple of months. Like you can have a couple yeah. of months where your mental health is so bad because the grief is so heavy and your capacity is so, so limited, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily happen straight after somebody dies. I <laughs> so think... The idea that you have yeah. to take the time off like right then, because that's just what society says. And then it tells you that you should just get back on with things. It's such an old fashioned way of thinking. Definitely. And I think this is like where it sort of started going wrong. Um, And like not only that, like as well, it was at December that we started, we were going to like get dad's house. I said dad's house. Oh, how funny. Um, Dad's house ready to sell. And (laughs) a lot of like solicitor stuff and like quite a lot of that was falling on me. And we had to, you know, some bits and bobs in the house and uh, just felt like so much pressure so actually in that time I was doing quite a lot of stuff and then it was and this is where 
your grief network and all this sort of like speak of compassionate workplaces is so important and I think where I was set up to fail was I had my furlough so I was furloughed April May June um I think I went back in July like end of June July so I was furloughed for quite a long time and it was when I went back to work that so this is like nearly a year after dad died um but obviously I was still like absolutely like in the depths of my grief and like completely blindsided by it and I had absolutely no support whatsoever um Mm. and when I say support nobody even asked if I was okay um or like if I was managing or if I was coping I really 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 struggled um I tried to sort of like reach out to my the manager of the company I didn't really have like a line manager and I think you're saying like the old-fashioned thinking um so I worked with predominantly middle-aged men and they were very very old school in their thinking um and yeah it really screwed me over to be honest because I didn't have any support and it was like weirdly enough I don't know if I've spoken to you about this before but um obviously we sort of became friends in like the October or November um I mean you weren't the only reason but I remember you just sort of being like why are you working for this place that like don't really give a shit about you and like how you're feeling and I was like oh yeah like why am I and then I handed my notice in (laughs) I mean there was other factors as well um I was but like, like quit your job Alice <laughs> yeah yeah and um I think a lot of people I mean I, I do look back at that place I had a great time there you know I felt like I'd got to a stage where maybe it was a good time to leave anyway and like just yeah that lack of support and compassion really sort of like drove me to a place where I feel like I have no choice um so yeah it was sort of a mixed experience there because the first like my 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 boss and his wife like were at my dad's funeral um so like yeah. they were incredibly supportive in the first few months like I, I can't fault them for that mm. it was the year later that was when I got really sort of screwed over and like I'm not yeah. very good as you know I'm not very good at standing up for myself and like explaining these things and I really needed more support and I needed more help and kindness and mm. compassion and I didn't have that it's interesting because I think that you know we, we say oh yeah furlough was great um and it was for lots of reasons it was great but nobody prepared us to be off work for a period of time and then to go from being off work for maybe two three four five months I mean some people have been off work for 12 months on furlough <laughs> how do you return back to where you were like and how do you return back to where you were but with also an addition of grief like we talk about finding your new normal well what happens when you find your new normal back at work after like prolonged time off and you're also dealing with a, a really really heavy emotional turmoil like it's it's really really hard there's no there's no guidance on it you know there's no conversation about how we actually have that conversation you know how we actually return to that new normal way of working and I think the other thing that's really important to make you know make a note of is you talking about how after a year that 
support dropped off or after a few months really that support dropped off but that year really was when you realized that that support wasn't there anymore that is because companies are not geared up to deal with grief past the very very immediate bereavement like it's not grief is not meant to be something that continuously causes disruption in your work uh Mm -hmm. that's and that's not me saying that that isn't that is how things should be that's me saying like workplaces are not set up to support you long term with grief and it's really hard you know if you're going to start a new job and you're being impacted by a bereavement that happened three years ago but you still know now that you've got these triggers you've got these months and you've got these times that are you know aren't going to be you're not going to be as productive but you're just about to start a new job how do you have that conversation like how do you say to them actually like I lost my dad two years ago and it still has a huge impact on my life yeah you have to be pretty ballsy to go in and say that like I'm gonna start off with telling you something that maybe will make you treat me in a different way job you're like trying to impress everyone and you're trying to do your best and trying to like really prove yourself because that's just what human nature is like you just like want to be the best version of yourself seeing as I've just given you a job to then stunt that start with a oh and by the way you should know this thing about me or like you know it shouldn't be a stunt it should be something that people go well I really appreciate you telling me that being honest with me and and so that we can support you in the right way when you need that support throughout the year yeah but that conversation is really hard to have because like in society we just aren't open about grief like that we're not open about how grief impacts different parts of our lives especially work I think as well like could be like a sense of like a fear of judgment you know and like oh my god they're gonna think I'm rubbish because of this um and actually I can really relate to that because I did go and get a new job this year and um it was a conversation that I did have to have and it was something I wanted to speak about today because well for me it was a little bit the way that I dropped I did drop it into conversation on my into I mean I went for I deliberately went for like quite a non-committal job um because of the pressures of my previous employment and also I learned from my previous employment that I had to set down some boundaries and have some difficult conversations and I had to do that early on otherwise I knew I wouldn't do it um obviously by having this podcast and doing my volunteering work it's a lot easier to like drop it into conversation because I'd be like right um I want this job but I only want to do this amount of hours because on Wednesday nights I record a podcast and I have I'm volunteering for a bereavement charity and they're sort of like, oh, what's your podcast on? It's a podcast about grief because both of my parents are dead. And that's literally a conversation I had when I sat in my interview for this new job that I've got. And I was blessed with a really compassionate manager. So wow. I'm glad I did that. Yeah. And that like that's a really powerful thing to be able to do. And I think like one of the things that would be great is if is you know if in the grief community we had you know guidance and experiences and shared opportunity to actually know how people have these conversations because they're really really tricky to have and it depends like sometimes you know your manager well sometimes you you know have these conversations during an interview or when you first meet them and sometimes you just don't know how to say anything to them at that point and so it waits you know you wait until it becomes an issue or becomes something that comes up at work 
but it's just so difficult to have those conversations in the first place I think yeah, you know and yeah. look at that you know that that um that example that you've just given there like hugely uh admiring you know your courage in doing that because it's just such a it's such a difficult conversation to have and it but but it's so important you know it means that they can now recognize you know if you're having a bad day or if you need to have time off and how do they cope with so you know do you put in time do you put in time off like do you have flexible patterns you know how does it work with your employer I was really lucky that this person was like such a special manager and like yeah was just amazing with it and they really like pushed me to make sure that I was doing that for myself so they really pushed me to if you've got any days or like times or anything like that like let us know and they like they didn't drop it either so like I think again like a couple of weeks later like I was reminded to do that and for me that was really important because like I found it really difficult to do that and I think maybe in my previous employment where I hadn't been so hadn't been so like recognized or understood I felt really diff- like awkward like doing stuff like that so having like having that in place having a compassionate manager who I think had probably been through a bere- had been for a bereavement having that sort of like understanding was really important to me so yeah I went and booked off like all the sort of all the dates <laughs> there's a few because both my parents are dead um yeah but <laughs> that's so good like, yeah yeah I do the same so I book I book off all the dates that I think are going to be triggering for me and the dates that I know I know are difficult um and I actually put in the request for time off uh, and say like I'm submitting this request because it's my dad's anniversary so that I don't even necessarily have to have that conversation with that person but they can yeah. know because I put that time in the diary like yeah and that you know is kind of a less direct way of talking to somebody about it I mean my manager is yeah. amazing and she'll put check-ins with me the week before an anniversary or you know she'll kind of make sure that I'm managing my time oh my god we need more managers like that I know like and honestly she's she's remarkable I feel incredibly lucky to have her and like it she'll be the reason why I stay within the job that I'm in now um for as long as she's managing me because I am so I feel very very supported she will constantly check in on whether it's you know whether it's around my dad's anniversaries or whether it's just because I seem a little bit distant or maybe I've not been as chatty she will check in and she'll just say you know how are you coping how are you feeling you know like is everything okay is there anything that you need me to help you with you know capacity wise is there anything that I can do to support or is there anything kind of mental health wise I can help with would you like to chat do you want to get a coffee whatever it is it's just having that really open like, you know, for her to be brave enough to ask me and to be, you know, kind of not confront me, but, you know, like yeah. be, be honest with me if I seem like I'm not, if I'm not in the right place. I like to think that most of the time I do tell her if I'm not in a great place yeah. um, because I feel very passionate about, you know, she can't really provide me the support I need without me telling her. But it's great yeah. that she also has that intuition as well. Yeah, definitely. I think like what you said there about she's the reason why I'll stay in that place. That's so important. I mean, unfortunately, this manager has now left where I'm working, but she really 
helped lay down the groundwork and really made me so like now when I go to my next employment I think I'm going to have that confidence to be able to speak about the things that's important because she provided a platform where I was able to do that and even if the next employer like doesn't take it on board as well as enough like at least I now know that I can go to my next job with clear boundaries and like mm. yeah you, you know, know what you need like yeah exactly that's, that's such a huge learning curve in in grief is actually finding out the things that you need to support you like when you first bereaved you have no idea what you need like because you just haven't lived through it you know and it's the first time you've ever experienced anything like it whereas when you've kind of been living through it for a little while maybe you're a few months in maybe you're a few years in like you learn the things you learn the support networks it needs to be around you I think this conversation is such an important one to have because I so often get asked about it and kind of how to navigate returning to work and I think it's something that we shy away from talking about because there's no real like solid answers and like the best thing that we can do is really just it's just conversations yeah have the conversations and give advice so I just wanted to if it's okay to just read out a couple of statistics from the Marie Curie research paper that came out last year so um, Marie Curie UK is a big bereavement and end-of-life charity in the UK and they work a lot to kind of um you know support people in end of life but also support people in bereavement and they're a brilliant charity if you've never heard of them go and check them out but they did a huge report um on grief in the workplace which is really really good and we'll put a link in our um link tree to it as well so that you can have a look as well as some of their resources but in the report they found that 58 percent of employees felt their performance was affected by grief the months after their bereavement like 58 percent of people employed like that's a huge amount and they also found that 25 percent of the UK workforce so like 25 percent of all of the people employed in the UK had been bereaved in the last 18 months or Mm -hmm. since the pandemic started 25 percent a quarter of all of the people in the UK have experienced some kind of bereavement since the pandemic started you know that just puts into perspective so much how big a number we're talking about you know the sheer volume of people affected the other thing that I thought was really interesting was 54% of employees were worried about taking time off after a bereavement because they thought it might affect their job security so that's another huge thing that like we talk about uh in when we're talking about grief at work you know it's people are so scared about like what happens if I lose my job now I've just lost my world like I've lost the person that I love maybe you haven't been in a job for very long you know if you've only been in a job for a month and then suddenly your mum dad brother whoever like drops dead you have no control over when bereavement happens and it shouldn't be that you're not entitled to the same thing because you haven't been there for the same amount of time um I spoke to somebody who was within their probation period whilst uh, when one of their loved ones died and they had to take some time off but they only took off like three or four days because they were so scared about losing their job because they were still within yeah. the probation period doesn't surprise me to be honest like no. you can definitely understand why people feel that way yeah so this is why it's really important to have these conversations because it's not just you know 
it's not just for us who are the ones grieving and the ones in this rubbish community that none of us want to be in it's about like kind of making grief in the workplace part of a conversation that we're having in the wider society so that line managers can actually feel prepared so that employers can actually become prepared have the right policies in place have the right support in place so that people feel supported internally at work as well as you know taking the time off that they need and having access to the right levels and you know the right networks of support without having these conversations and like being really realistic about like how many people worry about their job security and how many people worry that they're not going to be able to perform the same way or that they're not succeeding in the same way if we can create a culture where we can actually talk about how much grief doesn't switch off when you're at work and actually we can welcome grief into the workplace and not be afraid of it then it will change the way that the you know workforce looks especially in the UK yeah, no, definitely. I completely, completely agree with all of what you've said. And those statistics are just like a stark reminder of like how much needs to change still. And you, my friend, are leading the way. I want to give a little bit of a shout out to two very, very special people who've really helped me in returning to work and also helped me in kind of striving for the things that I want to achieve. Uh, and they make me feel like I can achieve anything and they make me feel incredibly supported in my grief at work um, so I'd like to shout out my colleague Nick uh, or Nicola and my manager Victoria because yeah I don't know I don't know how I would be where I am without either of them within my career so feel very lucky to have them oh that's so cute um also, I want to just do a little shout out to a lovely little lad that I work with called Reese. Um, he is really sweet and he's actually listened to a couple of episodes of the podcast. And it means so much to me that he's just like taking that step to do that and um, maybe like learn some more or listen. So, yeah, shout out to Reese. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grief Sofa podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review to help us reach new listeners. If you have enjoyed listening and would like to join us on the Grief Sofa, please get in touch on Instagram at the Grief Sofa or email us thegriefsofa at gmail.com.